We've got a, a, a theme of this revival that continues throughout this month, celebrating a new thing. And today we're going to be talking about how we are called to engage a new thing. I want to begin today by lifting up a, a scripture text. It's not the one that, uh, that we're actually going to use as the, the text of the morning. But it's one that comes from the 21st chapter of Revelation, the 5th and the 6th verses. This is a centering text for our theme throughout August. We know that John is seeing this wonderful vision and he sees Jesus on the throne. And in the 21st chapter of Revelation it says, And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Today we're going to be looking at a, a miracle a story in the ministry of Jesus from John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. We're going to read the first 18 verses. But before we do, I want us to talk a little bit about this lame man who'd been lame for 38 years. Not 36, not 37, not 39 or 40, 38 years. And a little bit of the, the background before we go into this. It, it took place during a festival in Jerusalem. We don't know what festival. But we know that it was a festival. There, there were many people in Jerusalem. There were pilgrims who were there who had followed their spiritual journey into the city. And we know that this took place just inside the Sheep Gate. Now, the Sheep Gate was just one entrance into the city, but this was a special entrance because those who were bringing sheep into Jerusalem to be sacrificed in the temple would go through the Sheep Gate. They had a special patrol at the Sheep Gate, if you know what I mean, that had pooper scoopers. <laughs> and, and just beside the Sheep Gate, there was this pool and this pool was called the Pool of Beth Zetha. And just above the pool, there were five porticos. So what we know is the people who were coming to the Sheep Gate were going to the temple, right? And they were going to have to pass by the Pool of Beth Zetha. And they were going to see people in the portico, and that's where... The invalids, the blind, those who were paralyzed, those people who'd been sick, and this lame man who'd been lame for how many years? 38 years. Was waiting on those folk who were coming to the temple, and those folk who were coming to the temple knew that the, the Scripture required you to give alms to the poor, and so those who were needing alms were staked out in a strategic location to receive those alms. 
So with this caveat, we, we read this scripture text of this man who'd been lame for so many years who was there really not expecting or thinking about a healing. He was there as a beggar. So, let's look at John 5, first 18 verses. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there was a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has five porticos, and in these lay many invalids and lame and blind and paralyzed, and one man was there who had been ill for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have nobody to put me in the water. When it stirred up and while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me, and Jesus said to him, Stand up, take up your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well. It doesn't say he stood up at once, but at once he was made well. I don't know if it took a little while for it to sink in, but at once he was made well. He took up his mat and he began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well told me to stand up and take up my mat and walk. They asked him, well, who is this man that said this to you? Take up your mat and walk. Now, now the man who'd been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. And later Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, See, you've been made well. Do not sin anymore. So that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. And therefore the Jews started uh, persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them. My father is still working and I am working. For this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own Father, thereby making himself equal to God. This is God's Word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to unpack this a little bit. The lame man's life was the life of a beggar for how many years? 
38 years. He had to be carried to this place to beg. His, his mat was probably more like a cot. It had to have wooden uh, sticks running through it so that they could actually carry this man and sit him down. And So he was sitting on that mat, that pallet, in that strategic location so that he could beg. He was dependent upon the people who brought him there and he was dependent on them to come back and get him. You can't help but think what he did during the day. Who, who brought him water? Where, where did he get something to eat? Even if he had alms in his pocket. How did he take care of other matters? He was there, same old, same old. He wasn't expecting a healing. He hadn't thought about a healing in a long time. He was there with very little hope. Not much of a life. And not much of a future. And Jesus comes to him and interrupts his day of begging for alms. Maybe he'd even ask Jesus for a little. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? In other words, Jesus is asking, do you want to have a new life? Are you really seeking a new thing? Or are you seeking to be new? And the man's answer was, yes, but. Think about it. Following the but were excuses. Uh, yes, but I have no one to put me in this magic water when the pool is stirred up and the water stirred up and, and, and there's nobody to help me and so I just sit here. Yes, but when I start making my way to the pool... Somebody steps in front of me and goes ahead of me and gets into the pool before me. What Jesus doesn't say and what I would like to have said to the man and will ask you today to ponder with me. I'd like to say, have you ever seen anybody get in that pool when those waters are stirred and come out healed? Really? Really? Maybe that was his rational calculation. That he'd never be healed. Because if the water's his only chance and he'd heard it was that kind of healing water and when the angel stirred it up, you know, you could get in it and the first one in wins. Maybe he had a little hope in that but not much because his odds were really, really, really bad. Of getting in that water. I, I want to ask you this morning. Have, have you been where that man was. Seeking a new thing. Or not seeking a new thing. Because the old thing has become a way of life. You hear me? 
Have you been where that man was, not seeking a new thing because the old thing has become a way of life? Have you been in a job before that you really didn't like? And you really probably needed a change. You're just counting the days to retirement. And it's down to 29 years and 50 days. <laughs> and, and you need a change. But, but you would change. You would get a new place. But, but, but. Or have you found yourself wanting to quit a habit? Or experience recovery from some sort of addiction? You say, well, you know, I'd get some help, but. Have you ever been in a relationship that you know could be better, but you'd slipped into the same old, same old? Or maybe there's an issue of forgiveness that's not dealt with in a friendship. And you find yourself saying, well, we need to get counseling, but... Or we need to have a time when we can forgive each other, but... What are those things in your life that you find yourself making excuses, not turning them over to the Lord... And engaging in a new thing. What are they? Do you hear Jesus asking you, do you really want to be made well? Do you? Do, do you want to engage a new thing? Do you want to have a different situation that's more fulfilling? Do you want to have a change in that relationship that has become more life-giving? Maybe it's your spiritual life that's become same old, same old. And you're just in a pattern and believe nothing will really ever change. Which brings me to that second word that Jesus spoke. After he asked that poignant question, he asked the man, or he tells the man, stand up, take up your mat, and walk. There's a point in which we have to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit and do what we believe God is telling us to do. But God is not telling us to stay in the same old, same old. God's telling us to stand up, whatever that means, take up your mat, whatever that means, and walk. Now, I can just imagine that lame beggar hearing Jesus say, Stand up! Listen, just give me a quarter. I hadn't stood up in how many years? 38 years. I don't think I'm going to try today. And then Jesus just goes into the crowd and this man it said he's healed immediately, so maybe he felt his legs tingling. Or maybe he started thinking, you know, 
why did that guy, there was something about the way he looked at me. Why, why did he ask me that? I hadn't thought about being healed in a long, long time. Why did he come? He knows I'm just begging. I mean, if I'm healed, what am I going to do for a living? I'm used to this life. So I don't think he stood right up. I think he waited till Jesus was gone. And then he said, well, you know what? What the heck? I'm going to give her a try. And he stood up. We don't have any other detail, but can you imagine a guy who'd been lame for 38 years and all of a sudden he stands up? What's going on? So the next time we see Jesus, it's in the temple. And that's where he finds the man. And and Jesus is happy to find him there. He couldn't thank Jesus. He didn't even know who he was. But he knew who God was. And he wanted to go to the temple to say thank you to God who changed his life who'd given him that healing through this stranger who'd come upon him. So he was in the temple when Jesus comes in and finds him there, and he said, well, looky there. See, God has made you well. That's what Jesus said. And then there's this very important thing that Jesus says that I don't want us to miss. Understand. The third word. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, I think the way that Jesus uses sin here is a way that is perhaps the most misunderstood theological concept in this story and maybe even in the whole New Testament witness. Jesus says it after nearly every healing, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. What does he mean? Well, let me tell you something. We misunderstand what he means if we think that when he says go and sin no more, he thinks that that something that man did or something that man's parents did caused him to be lame. That's a big misunderstanding. Jesus even corrected his disciples when they brought that up to him once, remember? They said, well, why is this man sick? Was it he who sinned or his his parents who sinned? And Jesus said, wrong answer, neither. That's not the way God works. God doesn't cause us to be lame because of something that we did. We cause ourselves to be lame sometimes because of something we did. But God doesn't want any part of that. And we misunderstand Jesus if we hear him saying, Okay, you're healed, you're fixed, don't don't you do anything else wrong. You make one more little mistake and it's going to be worse than being lame. Do you think Jesus would say that? Do you think Jesus would have that expectation of him or you or me that we can go and we can sin no more, we can never make another mistake? Jesus knows us better than that. 
He knows that we don't always do things in keeping with God's way and God's will. That sometimes we stray away from those ways. That's not what he means by sin. And we misunderstand Jesus if we believe that this man's future, Jesus believed, was totally, solely dependent upon his ability and his faithfulness. Go and sin no more. You don't need me anymore, but don't mess up. Don't you make a mistake. Who are we kidding? Thank God who are we kidding, right? He's not talking about what I call sin little s. Sin is the sins that we do, the little things that we do. We know what sin is. Why don't you speak out your favorite sin that you commit, okay? We know what that is. He's talking about sin big s. He's talking about our separation from God, which is sin. And Jesus said to this man, you're here in the temple. Now you go and you don't, you don't ever take your relationship with God for granted. Don't sin. In other words, God loves you and is in relationship with you. Don't get out of relationship with God. Oh, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to stray from time to time. But, but, but you always keep coming back because you have a relationship with God. Don't, don't stray from that. That's sin. When you stray from that relationship with God. And Jesus was saying, Yo, don't sin. Or things will be worse than they were before. Only when we are in relationship with God can we engage a new thing. Do you believe it? And when we are in relationship with God, things start coming together. Even when things happen that aren't good and, and aren't right and aren't of God. When we're in relationship with God, we're never alone in facing those things. Some of us here today need to engage a new thing. Some of us are going through the motions of the same old, same old. Some of us have nearly given up on anything being able to change or become new. It's just not going to happen. Might as well beg for alms. But the question today is, do you hear Jesus saying to you, Stand up. Do you want to be made well? Then stand up. Take up your mat. Take up that which has been your big excuse. Take it up. You're going to throw it away later, but you take it up and walk. When I came to Lover's Lane, guess how old I was? What gave you that idea? 38? 38? I was 38. Not 36, not 37. Not 39, I was 38. I'd been senior pastor in Tyler for four and a half years. I'd been senior pastor only anywhere in my life for four and a half years. Tyler... 
Pollard Church in Tyler was my first church to pastor. I'd been there for four and a half years. Prior to that, I was an associate pastor, the best job in the world. But for four and a half years, I'd been the pastor. And all of a sudden, the bishop calls, and the bishop says, uh, I, I want to talk to you about a church. It's not in your conference. You may not know anything about it, but I want to talk to you about a church called Lover's Lane. I'd heard about it. I knew there were a lot of singles and a lot of drunks at Lover's Lane. And then the deceiver started putting things in my head. How do you think you're going to go at 38 and serve that church? That church has lots of needs. You're going to be a failure. I mean, you're doing everything pretty good here in Tyler. I mean, why on earth would you want to put it on the line? You don't know what you're doing in Tyler. And at that time, there was my bishop in the Texas conference had a church in Houston. He said, you're my choice for that church. And that church had had a pastor for 30 years and he was retiring. He was in the suburbs. We knew the church well. We knew Houston well. Had lots of friends down there. One of the largest churches in our denomination. You talk about a great place. Lover's Lane's pastor that I followed had been here two and a half years. And Bill would be the first to tell me that things were rough. They'd lost a lot of members. Had to let go of a lot of staff to make ends meet on the budget the facility needed improvements and after coming back and forth three or four times at the bishop's invitation I had the most awkward meeting I've ever had I called my staff parish my personnel committee together and I had a meeting I've never had one like this since thank God and I said to them look I'm leaving but I don't know where I'm going. And then I talked to them about these two church situations in the what if. It was an hour and a half of tearful conversation, I can tell you. Never been at a point of more stressful decision making than I was at that point. And then one of the members spoke up and said, Preacher, that's what he always called me. I know where you need to go. You need to go to that Dallas church. I said, why, Frank? I don't know anybody up there. It's not the church that we're looking at over here. Sounds like a whole lot of work, a whole lot of risk. He said, yeah, preacher, but the need is greater there. Now, let me ask you something. 
Have you ever prayed and Jesus said, yeah, you don't want to do that. That's too hard. <laughs> no, no. If you do that, that's going to be risky. And, and, you know, I know you and you know you. You don't have the tools. Haven't you learned about Jesus that when we get in those situations where we're the most vulnerable, when we know we can't do it on our own, that it's only through Him that we can possibly do anything, that that's right where God wants us to be. And He's saying, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to go into this challenging situation, this risky circumstance? Do, do, do you want to break out of the same old, same old and may, maybe engage with me in something new? And when Frank said the need is greater there, it was just like Jesus saying, Stand up. Take up your mat. This ain't about you. And you walk. It's about us. And I'll walk with you. And I've never regretted it. I've come close a couple of times, but never, <laughs> never regretted it. What are you facing, really? Now, this is August Hallelujahs. This is when we start thinking uh, about what's real in our relationship with God and what is our faith journey really about. What are you facing? If the Holy Spirit's who I think the Holy Spirit is, He's already spoken to dozens of you. then I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you that clear word either through somebody or from the depths of your soul that says to you, stand up. Do you want to be made well? Then, then stand up. Take up your mat. And walk. Amen.